But once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Till the end of time. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. Welcome back to 88.3 WKTs. After further review, another great interview there, or segment with Darren Cohn, the coach. Now we got on the phone lines. We have David, the man of God, Harris. David, I know you were probably listening to that segment there. Uh, thoughts on Darren Cohn, the coaches, uh, about LeBron, you called in about LeBron. But also, we were doing a little recap of local area high school boys basketball. How you doing today, uh, David? Good. Living the dream. I love it like Coach. Coach Cohn, yeah, always just kind of appreciate his insights, mm-hmm. um, particularly about kind of since he has his ear to the high school hoop scene and kind of, I, I agree with him um, about um, college conference tournaments being better than March Madness because, yeah, like no one, no one remembers, you know, who played who in the round of 64 or, the, you know, the Sweet 16 unless you go to that school and, and you win. No, I think some remember. people. I think some people remember the Sweet Sixteen a little bit. At least the Sweet Six, the second weekend of basketball. Meet people are usually tuned in, and some people remember yeah. the first four. Yeah, I'm, I mean, if if it's like a first time, I mean, with it being '68, if like if your your team is there and you rarely get to the tournament, then yeah, it's a big deal. But like, I still remember Kimball Walker, kind of embarrassing pit. And like mm-hmm. Biggie's conference champ, like those kind of things, like stick with you. Like I remember, kind of all of the Kent State Akron games where it seemed like if there wasn't a, going to be a fight breaking out in the top of the queue or you know, whatever it's called now, like then Rocket this is not a rivalry game. Like. Rocket Mortgage. Right. But but then again, though, David, you yeah. got to think though those are they were playing really for something. That's why it's more memorable. They're fighting for a championship where. Sweet 16, people do remember because it's a great accomplishment. Sweet 16 and Elite 8, you know, you're not really, you're playing for a regional championship, but most people are looking at the Final Four. So maybe the reason why the conference tournament sticks out more is because you're thinking of the semifinals and possibly the final, mostly the finals, though. You're not, you don't remember a random Big East quarter, quarterfinal game on a Wednesday afternoon, especially the old, the old Big East. Do you? No, you don't. I mean, I, the pit games, just mainly just because, you know, watch parties and things like that. I was like, I was right on campus, so I was able to be in that. But yeah, even. Most of the memorable like Big school. East championships you're remembering. You're not remembering, like I said, a, a Big East, a half empty Madison Square Garden quarterfinal game. Sorry, on a on yeah. a Tuesday afternoon at noon. No, or like the early round of, like, say, the Mac tournament where it's campus sites before. Yeah, you know, it's the winner to get to Cleveland. Right, right, and even then, the quarterfinals in Cleveland, most people don't even remember. Most people remember in the MAC tournament, the semifinals and the finals, basically. And that's how most tournament champion or tournament conference championships are. Usually, most of the time, you're remembering the semifinal and the championship. And then, not to mention nowadays, 
almost every conference um, has the championship games on ESPN anyway. So that makes it more memorable. Or ESPN U, ESPN like nine sixty and right. like ten thousand yeah, channels. But yeah. So let's get into some NBA, bro. Right. Thoughts go. All right. Wanted to take a just a quick look at the winners. One winner, one loser from each conference. Since you know, since basketball is going to be the heyday, we'll have many more time to really break down more of um, the NBA season as we get towards winning time or postseason out west for me the, the mvp race is over if Jokic doesn't win the mvp it's gonna it might be a huge travesty i feel like his his individual success is is i mean we've seen this for the past couple of years now as he goes the denver nuggets goes whether jamal murray is injured or not with all the turmoil trying to figure out who the supporting cast is Jokic might set the triple double record. Like, and it feels like as far fetched to say, particularly thinking that he's chasing a guy like Russell Westbrook, who has a guard you would think is more equipped to have those, like those triple double records, even thinking about Oscar Robertson. So, like, what Jokic is doing at his size is scary to think. But again, that goes to scouting, finding the diamond in the rough, and Team development and the culture, and yeah, if he if he doesn't get the MVP this year, there's going to be a lot of questions asked from people. Three straight years. It, who who else who else can get the MVP other than him? I mean, are we going to have a Joel Embiid like last year? Joel Embiid. I was going to say like with Embiid, like like granted, usually we see MVP is relatively related to team success, like with most sports. I just think that taking Jokic out of Denver, that's like, they're going, they're in the lead for Victor Wimbayama. I think Philadelphia without Embiid, I can still see them in that 10, 11, 12 in the East. Like, they're, they're not completely awful. Like, I, and that that's where, similar to last year, I just think, Jokic is more valuable to his team than Embiid is to Philadelphia. But it seems like those two are the clear clear favorites. But yeah, I think Jokic, Jokic might get it. No possibility. Uh, he, he is playing some of his best basketball right now. Um, keep going, though. And, and, and the loser, kind of mentioned, I just mentioned Victor Wimbayama. Uh, the Spurs and Rockets are trying hard to get that number one pick. Like... Oh, how do you know that? You didn't talk to management? I, I Houston, Houston's been tanking for like the last like three years. Well, like, I don't think they've been they've been tanking. I I think they've just they they're trying to go with youth. And we've said this before on the show. You, you this grown man's league. You're not going to be able to win with youth. You can stack all the youth you want to, but it takes a while to get adjusted to the NBA game. It's another level. It's, it's almost like a different different game of basketball. But at the same time, though, your skill set and getting your body right and nutrition right, there's a lot of things that factor into that. And you're just not going to get that from 18, 19-year-olds, you know. And, and they're going to try to grow with them. But, I, you know, I, it's a lot of veterans have said you need veteran leadership, and they just don't have that. And they're just not as – they're not on NBA pro-level talent, you know, mature talent. But that's pretty much their problem. 
in the Spurs, yeah. obviously, they just don't have Tim Duncan walking through that door anymore. Or Ginobili, or Tony Parker, or Kawhi Leonard, or... Well, the, but the main cog is Tim Duncan, and the rest of those guys you plug in, it really elevates your team, and they just don't have... They had, the, you know, Murray over there, but I don't know if him and Pop really got along with much. Yeah, you know, I think kind of as this, really as the league is gearing more towards, you know, either the one and done or the G League Ignite or like a, like we're seeing a lot of the, do you go the professional route for a year? Like they're going to, there are a lot of teams that are going to be struggling. And I, like I'll even throw, even though it's for a different reason why they're struggling Detroit, but because all of their guys are injured. So, like, all their youth in their core, or good chunk. Yeah, like you said, those growing pains. I'm just more concerned that if, let's just say, if Houston gets the number one overall pick and they get Victor Wimbiano, like, what is that team going to look like? Are they really going to improve to a 25-30 win team, knowing with, Victor Yemi, he's going to have to get adjusted to the NBA. We're already Are talking about this guy. Season? We're in the midseason report, and you're talking about this. I mean, that's more draft talk to me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm worried about other things. Like, what, what are the Suns going to do? Well, the Suns just have to make sure Chris Paul stays healthy and give him a cryogenic chamber. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, the Spurs, the Spurs in Houston – they're not on anybody's radar. Or how about we talk about the Kings, uh, what, what they did the other night, you know, this game with the second highest scoring, you know, that's, that's what I, that's what, I mean, I understand you, you came up with the segment and everything like that, but the, the, the Spurs and Rockets, they'll be in the draft and we got plenty of time to talk about the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sacramento, I mean, Sacramento is Mike Brown coach. Awards. Yeah, is Mike Brown coach yeah. of the year? Automatic. I don't. I don't see who else would get it. I mean, do you give do you give it to Boston? But Boston NBA Finals recently, like Sacramento is literally. I don't want to say risen from the ashes, but they've they've gone through the growing pains, and they deserve to be at that table. As, the best teams right now in the Western Conference, which heading into this season, you didn't know what to expect from Sacramento. No, I, you didn't. I would say maybe, maybe kind of they would take that step up, maybe be in that six eight, six to nine area. Mm-hmm. No, if you would have said, so it is last weekend in February, you're already at thirty four and twenty five. You're ahead of the sun in the standings. You're ahead of the Warriors in the standings. You know, Golden State has run issues. But like if if you gave them that, like they would take it and run with it. But yeah. Sacramento deserves coaches year, team exec of the year, like all the staff, behind the scenes people, management, team of the year. That's going to Sacramento. Yeah, mm. one heck of a job and I wouldn't be surprised and again it's you know, still have a little bit of season to go. If they made a deep playoff run, and if not, getting to the conference semifinal, because I think they have what it takes to compete with some of the those more 
stir, quote unquote, sturdy, more experienced playoff team. Hmm. Okay. Switching over to the East, for me, to stay as you are, kind of at the top, I, if you had to get me right now, you know, gun to the head, I would say Philadelphia is probably going to, probably going to be knocked out of the semifinals and then it's going to be Boston and Milwaukee conference finals yet again. Like, again, barring injury, I think Philadelphia just, they don't, they don't have the pieces to compete in an extended series. Now, and I'll put them really in the same category as Cleveland, who, like Sacramento, is a surprise. And we're like, oh, Cleveland, we didn't expect them to take this you know, huge leap. But then again, if you bring in Donovan Mitchell, who's a bona fide scorer and can be a leader in that locker room mm-hmm. and on the court, you're, you're going to improve drastically. And Cleveland may deserve some awards for, you know, the success that they've had from the coaching, the GM management. Because Cleveland has been getting a lot of flack the past couple of seasons. So let's just be honest. Because they, they were trying to figure out, okay, are we going to go the youth movement? Are we going to try to do... You know, are we going to try to gear up just in case a certain player comes back for you know one final run? You know, we got I don't, Kevin I don't Love. Think, I don't. I don't think they ever thought that LeBron was coming back. I, I don't know. I think they were looking at the now and making some of the deals they're making. Plus, they know that. It, why would you try to get an old decrepit LeBron? I mean, come on. I don't. I don't think that was ever in the Cavs' plan. I think some fans. We're living that kind of lollipop fantasy, but I don't. I don't think actual Cavs management was ever considering bringing LeBron back. Well, I mean, for the fans, put butts in seats. Yeah, basketball wise, it's one of those. Do you get LeBron because you want to try to get Bronny Junior. kind of thing and kind of mm. hometown kid? Mm. But then again, mm. no, yeah. that, that's 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 just a storyline. I don't. I don't. I think from a realistic basketball standpoint because for one at the time people were thinking that brownie was mid-major talent now not even nba talent now they're saying he might be a top 10 pick in 2024 which could be a possibility his game has grown and gotten better but at the time no um you know kobe altman's done a pretty good job putting together the 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 roster that he's put together with garland and them and but at the time, I think they were also looking at Sexton being one of the key pieces, and then he kept getting injured, so they had to make them pull the trigger with him. Um, but no, I don't. I, I think that was more media fodder of storylines. Well, LeBron might come back, but in actuality, no. Yeah. And I mean, it wouldn't make sense anyways because it's all about youth, and if you can get younger, mm-hmm. that's that's what you're going to do. Granted, it's young. It's getting younger, but then also the, the guys that they're bringing in mm. are high caliber quality. And again, with Donovan Mitchell coming in, kind of that escalated and accelerated that plan of rebuilding astronomically. So they deserve to be up there. Um, I'm still not sure what the heck the Nets are going to be come the end of the season. 
because again, there's this guy named Ben Simmons, and we don't we don't know what to expect from him mm-hmm. at any given night. He might decide he wants to just score twenty and ten, or there may be games where he doesn't want to shoot the ball at all. And right. it's like I, I I just don't with all that money, I don't know who who would realistically bring Ben Simmons in so that the Nets can get that money off the box. Right. Yeah, it all depends. Uh, yeah. Like, I kind of feel bad for Ben Simmons a little bit, but then it's Why? also... Because he he came to Philadelphia. He, he can relive the fact that he didn't shoot, barely got LSU to, you know, to the brink of the playoffs, but didn't get them into the tournament in only season. He was in the draft with Markel Fultz, and we were like, this is the strangest one-two overall that we've ever seen. And then gets to Philadelphia. The question's like, all right, is he going to shoot the ball? Can you can you please shoot the perimeter? Can you extend your game? Then he gets hurt, and then, you know, passing up a basket underneath, the, you know, a dunk underneath the basket against Atlanta, that just accelerates that people off. It's like, and and you mentioned it on the show, I don't know, God, how many times. Like, does he love the game, or is this just a job for him? Well, he doesn't just, love the game. I could have told you that. He just doesn't have the competitive spirit. He, it's something to do. And you're starting to you're starting to see that now, where for some players, they're really talented. Do they really play for the love of the game, or do you play for the clout? You're starting to see that in younger and younger basketball, where you got these kids that are already anointed, or they have very good physical abilities, and you're the one. You know, and some of the kids don't have to work hard. I mean, that's was I think different in sports back in the day. You know, a lot of times you had to work hard to get where you're at. And I'm not saying he probably didn't work hard, but he's doing just enough to get by. If he really had the passion like a Kobe Bryant, Ben Simmons would be able to shoot jump shots. For him, this is just something to do. He's six foot ten. He has great physical abilities. Obviously, with his height and his physical abilities and putting a little bit of effort in the game, he can make it to the NBA. But is he going to try to work hard to be all-time great? No. Nothing wrong with that, but this is just something. It's right. It's something to do for him. And, and you're starting to see that early on where, you know, I, I hate to say it, it's. It, I'm starting to see it at my level. You know, I'm at the point where I want kids that are competitors. You know, I can I can help you become a better ball player if you if you got that competitive fire in you. You're you're a workable kid, whereas you get someone that's really talented that doesn't have that competitive fire. You're probably going to end up nine out of ten times being disappointed with the performance that they have. They're going to they're gonna be able to beat the naturally talent the, the the kids that aren't as good as them with their natural talent. They'll beat them a hundred percent of the time. When you start to face a competitor or someone that's got that dog in them, they're going to come up short. I just think that is what what, what with Ben Simmons he just doesn't have that love and passion for the game to you know get his injuries right get back and and work on his jumper like he's supposed to something to do for him I think he likes the celebrity and he likes the clout and what basketball brings to him than what really that he could become a great player I mean that's just that's just what it is yeah and, um 
was, I'm trying to remember what I think it was Austin Rivers said on a podcast recently that kind of this current generation is more concerned about kind of the flashy and the highlights mm-hmm. and it, rather than kind of the technical kind of nitty gritty of the game, learning the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see that within, like you said, high school game in the college and then into the professional level where some of these rookies and young players have to be taught the game because they just lived off of, boom, highlight dunks and flashy, like, you know, kind of the highlight reel mm-hmm. basketball game instead of knowing the X's and O's. Right. Yeah, it's just kind of, it's sad, kind of for a guy like, for, I don't want to say wasted talent like Ben Simmons, but it's like, yeah, kind of waste of potential. Because he's at a point in his career at the stage where he's not young anymore. He's He can't classify as a rookie, even though I'm sure that they'll try to give him a rookie of the year because he's only played a handful of games. So, like, you're you're in this veteran presence where, as one of the older guys, like at least, like you have to be a leader in that locker room. And I don't know if Ben Simmons is a leader he's not. for the Brooklyn Nets now. No, he's not. it's somebody else. It's gonna be someone else. They, 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 what they need to do is just like they did with KD and and Kyrie, trying to find a way to get rid of him. But because of the injuries, it's kind of hard to do that. I mean, the stuff just didn't work. It just now you got some guys in there that want to be professional and be hard workers. Now, are they as talented as KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons? No. But I think you'd rather deal with a little less talent and less headaches than the prima donna stuff that's going on and the demands and, and just the stupid stuff. Yeah. Kind of if they can get, if they can figure that out, like I'm not, I don't think that they're going to make the conference finals as everyone predicted them as we began the season. Granted, that was with KD and Kyrie. I don't know if the Nets are a playoff team as currently constructed. Well, they're in the fourth seed right now, and they and they still have won some decent games. They've extended um, Jacques Vaughn's contract. You still got to see what, what they bring, but I, I think they could be. Now, are they the top? Four seed in the East? No, not anymore. But I still think they could be a playoff team. Like I, I think maybe at best they can sneak into the tenth. Like, and huh? granted, they have. So you mean to tell me they're going to drop? You mean to tell me this team is going to drop from fourth to the playing game? I, I think so. I think right now, I think, and I'm getting ready. You know ask you about the Hawks in a little bit. I figured, figured once they figure out that situation and if Quinn Snyder is the guy, I think they'll start to right the ship a little bit. Miami is completely unpredictable. They just play every game, you know, within five points at the end of the game, and they're just like, yeah, this, this is comfortable for us. Um, do I think Toronto will probably improve? Yes. Washington will be in that play in tournament era I think your Bulls will probably sneak a couple wins in there I don't think that they'll be they'll be like 8-9 so I think between the Bulls Nets Raptors and Pacers I think they're all competing for those final two spots in the play-in 
Hmm. Okay. And and speaking of the Hawks, what I I don't understand that situation, and it just stinks because what what do do you side with coach? Do you side with player? And if management sides with the player, is that always good? And well, I've it's been, easier. It's easier to get rid of the the coach and the player. So the coach is always going to be the scapegoat for everything. I mean, they had Lloyd Pierce. That didn't really work out. They brought in Nate McMillan. He kind of turned it around a little bit. And then I think, and I and I really think that some of the coaches have to understand, you got to be adaptable as a coach. I think Nate McMillan thought he could still pull the old school methods. And it worked at first, but then it started to get tiresome and old. And especially with younger people, Let's just be honest with the younger the younger generation, they get attention span wears out and they get bored quickly. And I think his voice just fell on deaf ears and it was just starting to become monotonous and people didn't want to really play. And then I say that also comes back to what we talked about originally. How many of these guys are really playing because they have a passion for the game? Some guys are just doing it because they're just to do it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty decent at this or I'm really highly talented and people say I can make some good money off of this. I'm doing it for the bag and this and that. But it just seems like to me in Atlanta, players don't like the coach. They play bad. They get rid of them. And they set that precedent with getting rid of Lloyd Pierce. Now, obviously, there, there was other issues and common problems with that. But this is the second time it's gone around with Nate McMillan, where at first it was all good. And if I remember correctly, when they had Nate McMillan, didn't they get to the conference finals with Nate McMillan? Yeah. 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 Like everyone was just like, boom, Atlanta, this is Trey Young's going to lead this team to great things. And then here we are. Well, yeah, here we are. Um, But that's, that's the way this goes. And I think, though, but coaches have to also understand that you have to adapt. The stuff that happened in the 90s, and the, the old school ways, some of the old school ways do work. But you also got to understand, too, I think some of the old school ways and the discipline you can use with a young team because they don't know any better. But as that team grows older and they start to become family men and, you know, they're supporting a family and they're getting older and they're getting into their own you got to start treating them like men. You can't treat them like college kids anymore. And I think that's where some of the problem with the coaches are is that you get these kids, they don't know anything, you treat them like college kids, and you got the restraints on them. They see a little bit of success, which is great. But as they grow and get older, sometimes you got to take those restraints off because sometimes, a lot of times, you'll get it where some of those players are, are pros. You know, they know what they need to do. They know what the, you know, keep their health in check, what skills they need to work on to be a better basketball player. You know, by that point, you already got your niche in the league. And I just, they said that basically Nate McMillan's voice, you know, his methods would probably work with a different basketball team. That's what John Collins had said in an interview. Yeah, and just kind of, I was looking up as you were talking kind of the roster age. Like the oldest player on the roster age-wise is Bogdan Bogdanovich, and he's 30. It's, so it's like you're dealing with yeah 20-year-olds who, outside of Deontay Murray, Bogdanovich, and Clint Capella, 
Right, and this is the problem. And John Collins, like, yeah. And, and this is the problem is is that when you don't have that veteran leadership, and it doesn't have to be the star player, but somebody that goes in there, and this is happening, and I kind of dealt with this a little bit this season. When your better players aren't really invested in buying in, it really trickles down with the team. And sometimes you need that one guy or girl on a team. Maybe they don't get a lot of playing time, but they put people in check. They round up, you know, the superstars or the better players can do what they want to do. You know, they'll eventually you'll get them to reel in, but you got that one player that's like, well, wait a minute, I'm as equal as the rest of you guys. Because everybody can't be a superstar on the team. And usually they reel those guys in like, hey, remember, if you want to still be in this league, you got to get this work in. And they don't have that. You got guys that just don't know how to lead, trying to lead a team. And this is the the debacles that you're getting. And then I'm seeing it at the younger ages too. You got to have that glue person that is not afraid to say anything to the better players. You know, they keep it straight 100 with them. You know, they don't defer to them either. And that's why I think Miami's kind of been successful, you know, with Udonis Haslam. You know, he gets a lot of that respect. He don't really even get in the game. But you can tell he's got that veteran presence, teaching the guys how to be professional, um, and, and letting the, you know, if, if the better players or the stars are doing wrong, he's going to let them know. Whereas in some of these other organizations, you don't want to say nothing to the star player because you're afraid of them to leave. Oh, my God, they might leave. So then this is what you get with what, what the Hawks are going through. Yeah, or even, kind of, I can probably say something similar in Brooklyn where kind of there was clashing things and because the stars had, quote, unquote, all the power, then it's like, boom, we're out. Mm-hmm. Kyrie's gone, KD is out. You know, James Harden, when, when he was there, kind of, yeah, and I, and I don't know, maybe Quinn Snyder being an older, like I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, he's, he's probably older than Nate McMillan, mm-hmm. and having a little bit of that around the league and ability, can him coming in, being a fresh voice, an older voice, help? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, like you said, they need they just need someone old school, just just to be like a dude that has a for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you bring do you bring in JJ Reg just to be like, hey, let, let's let's recreate this culture? Well, or it's not just no, you're not bringing. In. First of all, JJ Reddick's not coming in there. I was just trying to think of recent, recently, reti- quote unquote, retired players huh. that understand kind of that culture, figure out locker room. It'll be that or Richard Jefferson, but Jefferson doesn't have any ties to Atlanta. Right. Yeah. I was just trying to think, like, someone like you, Donis Haslam, like, does every team need that? Because, you know, your superstar can't be, you know, four years into the league, Oklahoma, you know. But he's still in his mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, there are young leaders, but it seems like, like you said, that team needs an older, older veteran. Mm-hmm. Just like, all right, guys, like, let's pump the brakes here. Right. Yeah. And the, the last thing from this um, wins and loses mid-season report. Does anyone really understand? The coaching decision, um, in terms of certain organizations, 
one against, so thinking about Atlanta, just kind of with Quinn Snyder. Like, yes, he's a he's an older guy, but do you go do you go with the older guy to bring in, or do you try to do that? We're going to be Boston. We're going to bring in a young. We're going to bring in a young coach, or like Utah, we're going to bring in someone young. You know, way back going back with Eric Spoelstra. Let's. But they're going to try to bring in the. They're going. You're overthinking this. They're going to try to bring in the best fit. Quinn Snyder's a great coach. Uh, did really fantastic things with Utah. The talent that he had. I think that's what they're looking at. They probably think they're a little bit more talented than those Utah teams, and maybe they can do something with that. I think that's what they're looking at. I don't think they really care whether they're young or old. They just want to get it in there so that they could possibly get back to the conference finals. Because I, I was thinking about kind of in the whole Snyder situation. Like, I think a guy like Steve Nash would have been would have been a deep, I don't, granted, I don't know X's and O's wise that no, Steve Nash was kind of brand of basketball would fit in Atlanta. Mm-mm, I don't um, see it. That yeah. that 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 Brooklyn, you, he needs to stay away for a minute. That Brooklyn stench is on him. But we're going to finish up the segment, though. Yes, and as we yeah, as we get closer to playoff basketball, there's still a lot of movement left. Still a lot of injuries that we don't know that will happen that can derail a team. And eventually, ultimately, we'll still somehow have either Boston and Golden State in the finals or Milwaukee and Golden State because Golden State's probably just going to find a way to get everyone healthy. And yet again, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green back in the NBA Finals. Hmm. That could be a possibility. I don't know if that will be, though. And, and also, Zion, please don't get hurt again. Like, yeah, I hope Zion recovers. Who? Um, Zion. Oh, Zion. Yeah, that, that, that's that's um, like borderline. Is he a bust? That's that word is starting to come around. And we talked about that here on the show too about his body structure. You know, is he too strong for his own body? What, what, can he keep the weight down? And, and we're starting to see that come to fruition. Yeah, it's just. Like everyone, the heights, the expectations, the excitement of seeing him play well. Everyone's like, hey, this is the Zion that we've waited the entire time he was drafted, ever since he blew out his Nike shoe. Which, by the way, happened, I believe, four years ago, or was it four years ago? Or five years ago? 18, yeah, five years ago, I believe. Yeah, this week. Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of seen the reminder. But yeah, just kind of even getting back to. Even since since South, South Carolina high school days, where you know the highlight big dunk, mm-hmm. but yeah, hopefully he can stay healthy because he he needs to stay healthy for his own good. Because I feel like you know because he's not Ben Simmons, he's the opposite. Like he enjoys the game. I feel like Zion mm-hmm. like has that passion for basketball, mm-hmm. but t- his body's just like yeah. man, no. Yeah, his body's breaking down. <laughs> Anything else, David? Nope, that is it. Okay. Uh, coming up next, by the way, top of the hour, Rocket uh, Men's Basketball, I believe, as they have a senior night. Cedric Mil- Milner and JT, JT, JT Shoemate are, are seniors. Can you believe it? Time goes by fast, man. Um, but, yeah, that, that's going to be pretty pretty cool. 
Um, coming up next, we still talk some basketball. Tell about college basketball. What you got on that? Thinking of Broad Rockets in a little bit earlier conversation, do we know who's good in men's college basketball? And is that good as we're less than a month away from Selection Sunday? Mm, that'll be interesting. You listen to 88.3 WHD's After Further Review. Make sure you listen to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. WHD's After Further Review with a picture of Frank Bash in the horse's head. Talk a little college basketball coming up next with David the Man of God Harris.